That's the lingo. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Oh, hi. I'm Patty. And I'm Sam. And this is... My First Time. A Real Housewives Tale. Yeah. It's been a minute. It's been a long minute. <sighs> and I feel like it's been a minute, but the but you listeners haven't obviously known what we've been through the last few weeks. Yeah, so uh, catch up. Um, I have just been busy with the finishing of the fall semester, so papers and exams and studying and really, really, really poor eating habits. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Was it? Yeah, I really got to get on a treadmill. I don't think so. I think you're you're beautiful regardless of what you think you look like. Thank you. Also, I don't know if our listeners have heard I got I th- I don't think they had I had our last recording. I don't think India was here yet. Uh I don't What? Like India, my so as everyone knows out there, I do foster animals and I have a kitten and I don't know if she was here our last time recording. Um But, as I mentioned, her name is India, and I am now adopting her. Um, yeah, I think, I think she was here the last time. It doesn't really, it doesn't really matter. Um, she's, she's by far the cutest thing ever. I mean, Otis was really cute. Yeah. Otis was adorable. Ruthie was cute, too, but you had to look beyond the sadness. And the mange. The mange, the... I mean, people, it's really important to donate to animal shelters because this little thing was skin and bones and had been really poorly abused and had to have a lot of medical care, so. Well, Sam um, has had many animals. I tried to adopt a dog. Yes. And we won't go into the nitty-gritty of that story because it was... um, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. was... It was illuminating. Like, it was illuminating. It was uh, a traumatic experience, I think, for me. Not so much the dog. Also, by the name Ruthie. Yeah, we. Na- I named her um, Ruth Ginsburg because, well, what else would I name my dog? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody on Facebook thought I named her after Babe Ruth. Oh, he's just a big old baseball fan. That <laughs> I was like, no. Her name was Bruce Ginsburg. That's what the tag says. Um, India is like right beside me. Anywho, um, so we are back, uh, and we're going to talk about the Real Housewives episodes four through to seven. Yes, we are back, and we are drinking a glass of cooled moscato. I love this moscato. Me I too. think you you read my mind. Perfect. Yeah. Because when I saw it in uh, the liquor store, I was like, yes, that's the one. That's the alcohol we want to drink <laughs> so we're gonna start out with i think uh teresa first because teresa's the lightest one as far as storyline is concerned yeah so um this episode kind of kicks off with teresa delivering her fourth baby um we see her waking up joe to let him know that she is in labor and it's time to go to the hospital and uh, he's taking his sweet time and weirdly enough so is she cooking breakfast for her children checking her emails 
I mean, seriously, she's she goes to him, Joe. Joe, we need to go to the hospital. For what? Uh, to give birth to your child? Yeah, she's kind of a super mom, I have to admit. I mean, I wouldn't be making French toast if there was a human being coming out of me. No bueno. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'd be like, uh, yo, kid, make your own friggin' waffles. Like, can we just uh, DoorDash this? Yeah, can we put a pin in it for a second? (laughs) I mean, for real, though. Um, But yeah, she wakes up Joe, and uh, while they're at the hospital, um, I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit, but but she's on the phone with, like, everybody, which is really endearing. Yeah. Yeah, it's really sweet how she lets everyone know what's going on, and... I know. I really love Teresa in this episode. I do too. She's just really lovable and you can't help but just think how cute and goofy she is. This is, I think, before Teresa gets really serious. This is a lighthearted time in her life, I think, before what I've learned and the listeners know far better than I do about when kind of the law catches up with her family. I know. So I kind of like to enjoy this Teresa because the later Teresa is like, like hardened, like not like Tupac hardened, but like Martha Stewart hardened. Right. I mean, you know, when you go through things that are in the public eye and probably quite embarrassing and traumatic and painful. Yeah. Yeah. Even not being in the public eye. I mean, these things are hard on a family. No, for sure. Um, but she also throws a really cute little birthday party for Chia. Um, let's take a minute and talk about that birthday party. That birthday party was exorbitant. Yeah, I love that she calls her her most high-maintenance child. Does she really? Yeah, she calls her that in the episode. She's like, Chia's my most high-maintenance child, so I really want this birthday party to be great. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, it was. They went to a spa, and it, it looked like it was like specifically a kid spa which i didn't know that was a thing but it's brilliant i mean that's a great business model i I think like because i mean you got to think there's there everybody has like kids out there and they've probably struggled to find birthday party ideas and to have something that directly caters like because they had a limo from this company sent out to pick the kids up a pink little girly limo Right. It takes them right there. I mean, like, everything is set. You don't have to worry about anything. It's just, like, pay the bill. They'll provide everything else. Right. But I, I, I don't know. Like, a regular... I think about my parents. A regular person would not be able to spend that kind of money. I'm sure there's different levels. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's yeah. the... Um, send a limo level and then there's a just show up and get your nails done level yeah but there was like what what would you estimate like 30 kids there was a lot but you know what i remember going to a birthday party when i was a kid and we went just to um like one of those schools the cosmetology schools oh okay and i think i know for sure we got our nails done i think we may have also gotten our hair done And so it was a very similar party, but it was, like, actually at, like, a a cosmetology school. So it was cheaper, you know, Mm -hmm. and we didn't go in a limo. But I remember doing that for a friend's birthday and thinking, oh, my God, this is so fun. This is so cool. This is exciting. I just loved it. That's so exciting. I remember my most exciting was my parents let us go to a movie. 
My parents used to always rent out a party room at a hotel. Oh, okay. And so okay. we would all, it was always swimming parties. We would just go swimming and then we'd go to that, you know, party room and there'd be I, cake and pizza that's waiting. That's genius. Yeah. Because swimming really wears out kids. Yeah. So we did that for, I got to say, most of my birthdays. Oh, sure. Yeah, fair. Remember. We also did one year, I remember, a karaoke party. Mm-hmm. Like, so my parents, I'd just gotten like a karaoke machine, I think, for like maybe a birthday the year prior, Christmas or something. Mm-hmm. And so my parents went to the dollar store and picked up all these like ribbons. Oh, cute. And so we had a karaoke party and like, you know, you got best whatever. And That's really cute. Yeah. Um, my parents weren't very inventive. But they were also they were also Asian immigrants. <laughs> they were like, you should be happy that you don't have to work today. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know. Anyways, besides the point, I I love my parents. They're great. They're great people. Um, my child is loving you more than she loves me. Uh, yeah, India is curled up right beside me, which I think she might still smell the dog hair on me because it's all over the place. So but she you might would just think, smell Ruthie. You would think though that would make her dislike you. I mean, I don't, who knows? Um, but I I'm enjoying sw- it. I swear she just likes to, like, make me jealous. Are you jealous? Yes, because she does the same thing when Zach is here. Like, him and I will be sitting on the couch watching a movie, and instead of cuddling with her mother, she's always on his side, cuddling with him. Maybe it's just the side of the couch she likes. <sighs> Maybe, but, you know, just remember who picks up your poop. <laughs> remember who controls your diet Beachy guys? <laughs> yeah. um okay so back to it um they're very t- distracted <laughs> very distracted it's been a while since we've actually seen each other in person too yeah it really has i mean we've i forgot what been... you look like <laughs> <laughs> we've just been so busy and then just i'm sure everyone out there is feeling this as the days are getting shorter you're just getting more exhausted and then yeah. the yeah. last thing you want to do is like Oh, should we, should we do this? Should we like should we do this right now? And you're like, or we could just go to sleep tonight. <laughs> there were several times where Sam and I were like, we're gonna do this, and then it comes down to we're like, we're so tired. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anywho, she names um, the new baby Adriana. So, what do we think about the name? Is it Adriana or Audrey? It's Adriana, isn't it? You're right. I think so. Or Adriana. I mean, I, have, I don't know the pronunciation. I guess. Either way, I think it's fitting for them. I think it, it fits well with the names that they've already given their children. Those Italian... So, okay, so there's Gia. There's Gia, there's Melania. I forget the other one's name. Melania. Well, all right, let's count Adriana. And... Uh, Melania, I remember. Gia, I remember. Adriana, because I just said it. But there are four. Yeah. Uh... All right. I'm I'm, I'm so sorry to the other one. I'm really sorry. Um, it's been a while. It's it's been a long while. I don't even remember my name half the time. I feel that. <laughs> Maybe I will get a cat. So the dog thing. While Sam's looking it up, um, I adopted a dog last Friday, and I named her Ruth. She was the cutest German Shepherd mix, but. Um, I had a really bad allergic reaction, so I had to take her back. Gabriella. Gabriella. There we go. Yep. Gia, Gabriella, Melania, Adriana. Okay. 
I think it's cute. I think it fits their names. I, I, I think Adriana's cute. You could call her Audrey for short. Yeah, but they don't do that. No. Because they're. But maybe they're Italian. But like, I mean, you know, she, you don't know what's gonna be when she goes to school or when she goes to college. She might. Yeah, they don't do that. that. You don't think so? No. Okay. I know a couple of people who, like, um, said that they always wanted to go to buy a certain nickname, but, like, they never had the chance growing up in, like, high school or, you know, where everyone knows you your whole life. And Mm. so it wasn't until they got to college that they were finally able to get the nickname of their... Do you have that? Um, I wish... Well, so, everyone's a Sam, and, like, I always hated, um, honestly, my name because... I really hated, okay, I know, you know, as an adult, this stuff sounds stupid, but as a kid, it was so embarrassing to be sitting in class and have somebody be like, Sam, and you and a boy, because that's like, oh, you yeah. know, cootie kind of thing, as a kid, go, yeah, and then you're like, oh, God. <laughs> and it's just like, I hated sharing names with boys, too. Like, it was just so common, but my middle name is much more unique, and I always wanted... Kaya to go by my middle name. Yeah. Yeah. I I I hate my first name. I notoriously don't even answer when so except it's my mom. But like I hate my first name and I hate my nickname. Do you? Yeah. I just hate my name in general. Do you know what? So Zach kept trying to I don't know if you noticed this and I kept correcting him. He kept calling me Pat. (laughs) And I kept saying She's not a man. <laughs> so we went curling, which is another thing. This is how much time has passed because I feel like curling was like, what, two centuries ago? Yeah, we, and golfing. And he was like, all right, Pat. And I was like, dear God, it is Patty. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me at all, and I hardly notice it, but I know it bothers you a little bit. I was like, you can't call her by a different name. You learned my friend's name. <laughs> And he's like, well, I'm just calling her the shortest version of all of those. And I was like, but okay. Pat? <laughs> you couldn't go with Trisha? <laughs> like, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But so I got my name. Also to all the Pats out there, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> um, so I got my Patty. I got that name because my cousin is named Trisha. And they oh, couldn't call sure. two Trishas. I would much rather be a Trisha. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe that would have been a thing to do, right? Coming to college, coming to law school. Maybe, but then my, then I, because I've been called Patty for so long, I wouldn't even know how to respond. Yeah. I get it. I really, really wanted to tell people that my name was my middle name. Oh. But um, I was afraid that it would get weird having to be <laughs> like, well, it's actually my middle name and, you know. Yeah. Although I know people who do go by their middle name. My mom does. Yeah. A guy in my class does. Um, so I guess it's not that uncommon, but at the time I didn't know that many people who did that. Oh, sure. And so I thought, oh, is this super weird as an no, 18-year-old, you know? No, my, my mom does because all of her sisters are named Maria because we're Catholic. So, like, it's Maria Ooh. Rosanna, Maria Rosalia, Maria Rowena. Is that common? I think in the Philippines, yeah. Like, everybody's named Maria. Not to really change the subject, but I did just watch a really interesting PBS documentary on nuns. Oh. Um, bit sad. 
to be honest. I thought you were going to say that you watched Goodfellas last night I on love, PBC America. Love, love, love Goodfellas. But no, I went, I watched documentary on nuns. Oh, okay. Bit of a dark underbelly that the Catholic of Church. The nunnery. Was well, it was it called the Da Vinci Code? <laughs> no, weirdly enough, Tom Hanks didn't appear in this one. Oh but... God, not worth watching. No, no. I love that he does the uh, what is it? It's like the CNN like oh, he does yeah, the voiceovers like... of like the '90s and like yeah. all that stuff. I love that series. I um, do too. And also Paul Bettany as like a bad guy is not. I'm sorry, I don't pi- I don't buy. Paul Bettany as a monk. You know, like, I just don't. I've never seen Angels and Demons actually. Um, I tried. I because I love, I love the Da Vinci Code. But I love the Da Vinci Code, but it's also really anti-Catholic. Yeah, I gotta be honest. This documentary that I'm mentioning, it's not gonna make you love Catholicism either. But I but I also like Blind Spot too, and that isn't very good on on the Catholic Church either. Another great um, documentary, I can't remember what it's called, but it's also about a nun that goes missing Oh, on Netflix. It's a docu-series. And it's I think I've watched it, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't remember the title, but I think it was like a podcast series, too. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah. Anyways, back to it. Sorry. Yeah. That was a... But really Teresa <laughs> is Catholic, so ties all in. Yeah, right. We didn't go on that tangent for nothing. Maybe. Um, so the the one part that I love before we before we switch gears is that she picked ja- Dina to be Adriana's godmother. I think that was very sweet too. But the only thing I was thinking is like, while I think universally people would agree that the beautiful thing about um, New Jersey housewives is it does seem very authentic and real, but you know. We don't, it doesn't take that long to see that Dina ends up departing. And so I couldn't help but think like, man, I wonder if that, if she knew when she decided she was going to be her godmother, that she was leaving the show, would she have picked her? Yes. You think so? They're that close. They're, they're that close. And this will, I don't want to say too much, but honestly, like I'm, I'm rethinking that rule because we're kind of behind on the on the episodes that I kind of just want to say it. All right. Well, go for it. That, um, so, uh, oh, maybe I shouldn't because I think it gives too much away. If only this was a live podcast, we can have some sort of poll out there. Should I, Patty say? Should Patty say all of the things? I think, <laughs> oh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Uh, but essentially they're still close in real life and, the only reason why Jack, why Dina stayed as long as she did was because of her connections. Okay. So it wasn't, she would have left the, like the only, I think the only reason why she signed on even for the second season was because of her family and because of her connections, but otherwise she would have never done the show. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it's amazing to me, like how some people really are built for reality shows. Mm-hmm. And then I, I gotta say, I'd be the type of person who's like, nope, never. I have no interest in airing my dirty laundry for the world to see. I think it would be, it would have to be like Below Deck. I know okay. you don't watch Below Deck. No, but not for any like sort of reason. I just haven't. Yeah. Same thing with like Real Housewives. I just hadn't gotten to it. Yeah. So it would have to be like a show where 
it was like a finite period of time. So below deck is where they work, obviously, on a yacht. And so for six weeks where they're just filming the show and I can kind of not really go into my personal life, absolutely that's the show I would do. Yeah. I think, okay, so if it was like a docu-series where they were following you maybe at work, like with a client, like a high-profile client. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I just wouldn't, I, I agree. I just don't, for me, I don't think it's that healthy Yeah. to have the world weigh in on your life and how you live it. Yeah. I think you're welcoming, I, I think that's why we see a lot of celebrities go through the breakdowns that they go through and that that struggle and that mental anguish because like how can you live a healthy productive life when everybody's telling you their opinions on how you should live it oh i completely agree and i think that's why celebrities who live for the public eye have such difficulty when the fame isn't necessarily on them all the time yeah i mean i think about screech from saved by the bell i think about the Corys. I think about, yeah. to a certain extent, Britney Spears. Her. Lindsay Lohan. Lindsay Lohan. Amanda Bynes. Yeah. I, and then you've got the people like, um, you know, like the Julia Roberts of the world and the Tom Hanks. Sure, they might appear in like a tabloid here or there, but it tends to not be the drama of their life. Yeah. It's more like, look, they get their groceries just like us normal people. Or right. look, their kids have temper tantrums. Right. And I think that there's... Um, a little bit more of a divide in that they that's their job they fame is a byproduct of what they want to do right yeah right that they need to be um famous in order to you know to sell it and that's really where the line though is between reality stars and movie stars i mean you're literally a star because of reality right and i think that's a lot of the reason why people have a hard time feeling like the jenner kardashians were deserving of any of the wealth that they received okay go into that again because i really love the kardashians i think that they're fascinating and entertaining but i know that a lot of people feel a sense of anger and resentment due to the fact that they've been able to capitalize so much on their fame mm-hmm. from the reality show and just make money off of it and like it's like a self-perpetuating mm. industry that they've created for themselves i personally have to hand it to them because like you know they say what it was andy warhol i believe who said that everybody at some point will have 15 minutes of fame and they've managed to take their 15 and really capitalize it and turn it into like 15 years 15 years and kylie kylie jenner is worth like a billion dollars yeah and i'm sorry but kim kardashian is what net worth is close to that yeah and i think the poorest one is rob kardashian with a net worth of a hundred million dollars i mean i i don't know that exact figure but he's still very wealthy and i i will say this i know this was like a big topic i don't know that i would call kylie jenner a self-made woman like i oh, remember no. when she was on the title or the yeah the the forbes cover and that was like a, the title yeah i don't think she's self-made i think that she was clever i mean she took because she said how passionate she was about makeup growing up she used to sit and watch youtube tutorials all day long and she would mix different lipstick shades and people would like compliment her on it and it was really really wise of her to say like oh i have a passion and i have a platform 
let's mix them. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that that makes you a self-made woman because you had a platform to use. And and most self-made people didn't have a platform to jump from. No. And she, and I think, and I'm, and this is, I completely 100% agree with you, but, um, and there's no buts. The only thing I would add on to that is most self-made people really started from nothing. I think I think of the Oprahs of the world. I think of Oprah and I think of uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Who Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs was in his garage yep. when he invented the 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 Mac. Yep. Um, and I think that there wasn't that turmoil. There wasn't that like hunger. That maybe maybe I'm because she could have coasted. Yeah. For the rest of her life, absolutely. And so I'll hand it to her. Like I, I mean, I, I don't poo-poo on what she managed to accomplish. But she was a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. She she had she already had an obscene amount of wealth before she came into the mic to the to the makeup. She game. was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. I mean, it is absolutely to whatever political opinion you may have. I think we can all agree that Trump is not really a self-made man either because he was born into a family with a silver spoon in his mouth. Mm -hmm. He had familial connections to Mm -hmm. launch his business from along with a multi, I think, million. I I don't want to jump my, bite my head off for this. It (laughs) might have been just a singular million or a multi-million dollar loan from his father. But at the end of the day, you're naturally going to have less of... um, a fear of, you know, jumping into like an entrepreneurial ship and failing because if he failed, it's not like he has to pay his dad back. And if she failed, it's not like she has to pay her mom back. Right. You just fail. Right. Whereas the rest of us, if we fail, now we owe the bank a million dollars. Or we can't uh, pay our mortgage. Yeah, we can't live. Right. So there is a difference whether whether you, you know, voted for him or not. I think most people can agree there is a difference in startups. Yeah. 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 They, they weren't Oprah. It seems like Dina is a bit of a self-made woman from the from what I'm oh, getting. Totally. And I think and I think Caroline was I think that her husband Al was. I mean, yeah, they inherited the brownstone, but it sounds like. Um, what they inherited wasn't what it ended up being. Yeah. It sounds like LB really had a vision for where the brownstone could go, and he was really remarkable in what he achieved. Right. I think that he had a bit of a leg up, maybe compared to other people who were in the game, but he inevitably turned it into what it now is. Yeah. And Dina was a divorcee, single mom, struggling... Yeah. And um, it sounds like she built a pretty successful decor. Yeah. Business um, that she then had the luxury to walk away from. Right. And she I I admire most of the housewives with exception of Danielle, because I think Danielle is abhorrent. I think that Danielle doesn't, in my opinion, have much of a work ethic. I think that she is very clever. I don't think that she's a stupid person. I think that she really knows how to spot the right person who's in the right position of their life to, for her to come in because 
there are certain people I think that love to feel like somebody needs them and like that they and they have the ability to give away things and they love that feeling that they get from the person being so appreciative and I think Danielle's really clever at spotting these people yeah and exploiting their that that part of them that needs to feel wanted and loved yeah and she'll use that to her benefit that's scary I mean, from, from what we've learned about her, from what we've watched, I, I get, I feel that's her. Yeah. Um, and I, I will say, um, I, I did look her up on Instagram. I know I broke the rules, but we are behind. Oh and my God. I know, I know. And I read about how she called out, um, Andy and. Oh, you yeah. What? You never said that you looked her up. I know I did something naughty. <laughs> but if I if I say it when we're recording, she can't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like when you break up with somebody in public, so they freak out less. Like, oh yeah, you know how many people I've broken up with at a Starbucks? Hey, uh, do you want a scone? I think this is over. Can okay, I, uh, enjoy that cappuccino because it's the last thing I'm ever gonna buy you. Oh, sweet. Oh, well. You leave them with caffeine and a sugar rush. Listen, it's it's better. It's better for all involved. Anyways, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Um, all right, Jackie, Jacqueline, Jacqueline. Yes. Um, so we see her still concerned about Derek, which I have mentioned previously. I do understand the concern of the age gap. So we were talking about this because um, Sam brought up a point before we started podcasting about the age gap between the two. I personally don't have a problem with it. I, parents, close your eyes or shut your ears off. I don't know. Um, close your I, eyes. Not if you're driving. Don't, don't you close your eyes. Yeah, dad, both eyes on the road. But I have dated somebody who was about the age gap. And I've always dated people that were about that age gap, too. And see, I never have. And I I was just thinking, like, whether or not the other person on, like, the younger end of that relationship is mature or not, their life development is still going to be different. What, what Regardless of, like, how you want to see it. Because when you're 18... Versus 23, I mean, at 23, you're done with college, most likely. Yeah. You're in a job. You've started to build connections. And at 18, this person is just getting into college, just getting connections. They don't have a clear path. And so I guess my thing is more like you're always going to be at different life positions, and that could cause some real relationship problems. Not to say it always will. I know there's many successful right. relationships out there with even larger gaps, but... It's more like, okay, so let's say at 20, 30, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I, I think I want to start having kids. Like, she's like, well, I just got out of college. Like, I want to establish myself. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree with you, but I don't think that's the reality of these two. I, I mean, Derek works at Blockbuster. Right, he does. But I mean, like, I think that's, I, don't, I, I feel like for her, she, it's probably that whole thing where when you're younger, you see an older man, like regardless of where he is at in life, whatever station he may be, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he's so older and mature and cool. Whereas like a woman the same age as him is probably is like, bro, you work at Blockbuster, 
Like, where are you at in life? Like, yeah, like, meet you still me. live with your mom? Yeah. And so I feel like that's really what's going on here is, like, she was able to see him as he wanted to be seen uh-huh. from a younger woman, maybe, than, like, how he would see with his peers. We're totally projecting, but We're totally projecting. <laughs> I have no way of knowing any of this. This no. is just We don't even know where Derek ended up, which I probably... I should have done a little bit more research on that, but that's how much I give. I will say he seemed like a really sweet, decent guy. I'm not saying he's like a total skeeve. No. But like, from my perspective, if, when I was 23, would I want to date an 18-year-old? Hell no. Um, uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess I look at it from whether when I was 18 and whether or not I would date a 23-year-old. Absolutely. I think I would have, but I also would have been admittedly a little weirded out by it thinking like yeah but i i think for i can only speak for myself i would like to think that i was a little bit more mature than a lot of other people my age because i had my shit pretty much together so i was always attracted to older people i feel like i you know i don't know that i don't know i wasn't a mess but i don't know that i would say i had my shit together but like I think I've always been probably very skeptical of people. Oh. And so my, like, initial thought would be, like, what are you doing with me? Like, where are the women your age? Where are the women who want the same things as you right now? Like, Damn, wh- right. where's your FBI, maturity level? I, this is me. I'm, I'm like, always worst case scenario. <clears throat> what was I like when I first dated Zach? Like, for sure. poor guy had to put work his <laughs> way through. Yeah. Um, I don't have that problem i think i would be like finally somebody who is of my mature because i just think about the 18 year olds in my life at that time were so stupid they had none of their shit together i don't think that ashley in my opinion was mature enough to date him no i do think he provided a voice of reason to her though a lot which i think was really helpful i don't know if she listened we i don't think we saw her listen i don't even know if she really anticipated it i don't even know how much of a like a really good foundation they had as a relationship. I think she was just like, oh my God, a cool older guy. He has a job. Wonderful. Yeah, he can actually pay for our Domino's pizza. (laughs) I don't have to use... Oh yeah, wasn't one of the episodes where she was like, I don't even know how to open a checking account. Yeah. I mean, like, she's a kid. Uh, She's a kid. I had a checking account at 11. I remember going and I had a savings account from a young age, but I don't think I got a checking account until I was like 15. And I remember going with my parents and sitting down with the banker and having them explain things to me. And No, man. I, I had a checking account from a very early age because my parents, um, my, my parents made me work at 12. They didn't make me work, but my mom was Wasn't like... slave labor basically my mom um manages a health food store and she was like well i'm not gonna hire you until you get some sort of like experience so i volunteered and i like babysat and everything until i could build up a resume yeah i did a lot of babysitting from a young age but i don't i think it was just like cash you know so i never well i needed a checking account so that i can get that interest smart my any whatever um so and we also see Ashley go out to dinner with Derek and her cousins. Oh, yeah. Good, good, good one. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think it's cute that um, Al. 
Al is, is protective over her. And, like, I just think it's really sweet how the whole, like, Manzo family really has embraced Ashley as theirs. Yeah. Even though there's no blood relation, that is their family member. And I, I think there's something really sweet and endearing there. Absolutely. But I also think that Al was totally in the right when he was like, I hope you know what you're doing. She's a handful. Yeah. I also think it's really funny um, how very, very proud Caroline was because in any any mention of Al, like any mention, uh-huh. he goes to law school. He's going to law school. He's going to law school. He's going he, to law school. He, he's got shit together. He's going to law school. Like she was like, he's going to law school. Like he knows what goes on in the world. And I'm thinking like, isn't he a semester in? Like I think I think Al actually went to a pretty prestigious law school. From did what he? I remember, yeah, he went to Fordham, and then I think he he went to some somewhere in Manhattan. But he didn't finish, did he? Or did he? No, he didn't. Okay. You watched the season. Well, I watched him, yeah, get booted and have that whole fight. But yeah. as far as, like, where he ended up later in life, like today, if he managed to finish and get that Juris Doctor, I don't know. No. It was really sad because the circumstances surrounding his being kicked out of law school, I think, were out of his control. Yeah, there's... I, I mean... I think it could go either way without us knowing more information. Because mm. I also know people... I know people who did get booted out after their first year who I think genuinely tried really, really hard. Yeah. I watched them put in the time. I watched them at the library. I watched them put in the effort. And then there was other people in my class who I watched get booted uh-huh. who I, I know they didn't do anything. Maybe they studied hardcore the night before the exam, but they weren't doing what they needed to be doing the entire time they weren't reading all the cases right. they weren't like actually active and alert in class because they were hung over they were more concerned with like the fact that this was like fun and new people and partying mm-hmm. than the fact that like oh this is law school it's different from undergrad which i admittedly am completely guilty of i thought i could get away with my same shenanigans of undergrad and even my masters where like i skimmed and i was fine mm-hmm. and i just i I maybe other people can I discovered for myself here I couldn't get away with it yeah because um, I couldn't retain the knowledge the way I needed to from that behavior I know law school is such a beast isn't it it's so it's different very different yeah anywho um, so and also Jacqueline meets Derek's mom yeah um, it, it, to me the way because Derek's house is significantly smaller than Jacqueline's house which is not a dig I mean it was still his very house was cute. very nice very yeah. cute um, but Jacqueline and Derek's mom seem to hit it off like really well I think yeah I thought that um, they seemed really at ease with each other from what we saw and it just seemed like a natural friendship yeah, I, I do think that Jacqueline was trying a little bit hard to maybe get on the right foot, but that's okay. I think that's the way it should be. I mean, you would hope that your parents would always put their best foot forward with your significant other or their family. Oh, my parents never did. I think my parents, well, my parents never met the family members of anybody I was ever dating. I think your mom would be very nice. I think so, too. I mean, they always have been really nice to the people I'm dating. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I think my parents would be like, because um, I introduced my my dad to only one significant other. He came by the house. And the first thing that my dad said was, you better have your shit together or my daughter's going to be a lawyer. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
No, my parents are not like that at all. Um, like, they've never, they haven't met Zach yet, just because it hasn't worked out timing-wise. But, um, like, they sent a card when his grandpa passed away. Oh, and, cute. Yeah. Like, they'll do stuff like that. That's nice. Your, your parents on both my parents. You know, I think they want to get along with whoever I'm dating. And my parents are like, you guys better get your shit together. But my parents are also so easygoing on this kind of stuff. Oh, true. Yeah, my parents are Asian immigrants. so They're tiger parents. They're fucking Asian, they don't give a fuck, mafia parents. Yeah, like, tiger I, tiger parents are what, like, like, there's different qualifications of, like, parents, and they oh. say that Asian parents are tiger parents. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're going to need a dowry from whoever wants to marry this 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 person. My parents are going to be like, are you sure? <laughs> really? You want to marry her? Like, you do realize she's sometimes, like, kind of mean. <laughs> and a okay. little messy. Yeah. No dig. I'm messy, too. They'll be like, but um, she's super nice to her animals, so um, <laughs> hope, you like, hope you like pets. <laughs> Fair. Hope you um, like a million dogs. So I, I want to transition to Dina because I want to get closer to the Danielle conversation. But Dina talks to Danielle and she decides to leave the show because of Danielle. I think that, well, I mean, Danielle's never going to see the reality of the situation, first of all. Mm-hmm. But I think any normal person would look at that situation because you know that they're watching, you know, all of them are probably watching the seasons as they come out. I mean, I like would the cast members. Yeah, okay. I would guess that like they're sitting there because they want to see how they've been perceived and how they've been edited and how yeah. the world is going to be watching. Yeah. Um, and I think Danielle probably more so than the rest of them. Oh, is so conscientious. Absolutely. Yeah, sh- yeah. I mean, I would guess like I could see like Caroline and Dina and like the rest of them like maybe catch an episode here or there. Like they're not like watching it yeah maybe the first season but i would think subsequent seasons they'd probably get a little less fixated on it right but i feel like danielle it's every episode every season and i'm sure she critiques it because i don't know the way that i notice her interview she's a lot more articulate than she was the first season and she seems a lot more calculated with what she says yeah well and i'm sure it drives her nuts that like she has to watch this and think like, oh, they took that out of context. Like, yeah. I don't think she's ever going to watch this and go, oh my goodness, like my behavior, like, wow. Like she pretended to do in the first reunion. Right. I don't think that that's ever really truly happening. I think what is really happening is, I think she first of all said that the first time because she probably was like, regardless of the fact, I look bad and yeah. I want to try to reclaim it. Yeah. And then forward she probably is just casting herself as the victim right and it's like it's somehow all the producers fault it's andy's fault how she's being portrayed Mm -hmm. that's not accurate i don't behave that way Mm -hmm. whereas i think anybody else who watches that and sees that a person literally leaves a show that they are getting paid probably a good amount to be on because of you would be mortified well, and it's I, I totally agree with you on all of those factors, but the one thing that I do want to add is that Dina, Dina's family is on there. You know, Dina's family and she's, um, her sister's on there. I mean, Teresa made um, Dina Adriana's godmother. I mean, she has significant connections to the show. 
that that Danielle doesn't have because Danielle is kind of an outlier more so than Dina is. I mean, it would make much more sense if um, Danielle were to leave as compared to Dina because Dina is a lot more tied to the show than than Danielle is. I completely agree. Um, I think most people would look at this situation again and think, I'm the one that should go. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she has it in her to be self-critical mm. and to be reflective in an honest way. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, like, I feel like when she goes and sits with her therapist, if she has one. Um, no, but she has a priest, apparently. Well, true. Um, I feel like, you know, not everybody and not in every situation but you're sitting there and you're talking to your therapist and you're like, oh, I was such a dick. I was so bad. Like, you know, you're saying all of your internal monologue of how you're just like, were wrong or the worst or embarrassing or whatever. Like, and then that's your therapist saying like, no, no, no. These are just things we tell ourselves. These are stories. You're not those things. Whereas I imagine that if Danielle was to go to therapy, it'd be like, And I am an innocent victim and they're all so mean to me. And I said this and I was so nice where, and like her therapist in that situation is going to have to be like, but were you, did that really happen? Is that an accurate depiction? Like, did you really say that you were hurt or did you say something else? Um, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, so I do want to zone in kind of on Dina and um the talk that she had with danielle because the way that dina approached it i think was was definitely coming in hot in that dina was like listen the only thing that makes me upset is you i think that maybe if she would have couched it a little bit more gently she could have gotten her point across but i also understand that dina at that point was kind of livid like she had enough I feel like she was as polite as she could have been because, you know, she sat down and Daniel was like, do you want to order stuff? And she was like, no, I won't be here long. Because, I mean, like, what's the point of sugarcoating it at that point? I mean, because I think the problem was, is like, Danielle is, you either have to, I think you have to be really direct with her. Mm. Um, It's, (laughs) I, I have to say, like, my comparison is like, it's like talking to a man where, like, you can mention to somebody, to a guy, a boy you're dating, whatever, like, oh, gosh, you know what sounds so good right now? Chocolate. Oh, I would love some chocolate. Man, I wish I had some chocolate. And he'll be like, oh, yeah, sounds like it would be good right now. And, like, never would realize she's telling me to get her fucking chocolate. I better go get chocolate. Yeah. Like, and I feel like Danielle's the same way. Like, so you've been, um, you've been a bit much. You haven't been very nice. I think, I think I'd like to take some time. And she she has, like, no concept of, like, what this person is trying to politely say. So you just have to be direct. I think you're 100% right because I she didn't listen to an ounce of what Dina said. Because Dina, I think, tried to say, you know, I gave you a chance. I really tried to make this relationship work. But you held a you you held a spot for me at your daughter's luncheon that I wasn't gonna go to even though I told you I wasn't gonna go and right. you made a big you held it. a seat to make me look bad despite the fact that I gave you 
ample warning I wasn't coming. There's no reason to have set a spot for me. And there's no reason to have drawn so much attention to a group of women that you know is in my social circle. I'm going to see Kim D. I'm going to see Kim G. I'm going to see these people. And even if I, they weren't, even if I wasn't friends with them, you know that they're going to talk to people that I am friends with. We, we live in the same town. It just right. would, it, it would, it would make, it, it just, I think what she was really trying to do was all of these things that you've done to hurt me is getting to me and I need space and I tried to get the space and you wouldn't give it to me. So now I'm kind of at a point where I need to end that relationship. You really have to wonder, I mean, I don't know, we did discuss it um, on a previous podcast episode about what she did in regards to her child and calling CPS. But you really have to wonder what was happening off camera in terms of like her relationship with other individuals in their town. Because it sounds like it's a very social uh, community. In, in the town or? And, and okay. for Dina and just the rest of the women. Like it oh. sounds like it's an incredibly social community. Yeah. Where um, it feels like an adult high school in yeah. a lot of ways. And so you have to wonder like what was what was the gossip? What was the whispers on the street? that got her to this point because you i mean it has to be more than just what we saw and we know that there's more than we saw we know what she did regarding cps you know and her kid like so i because i think the real housewives has gotten more smarter not more smarter but smarter about (laughs) this um, because now they're starting to introduce at least in the later seasons like friends of friends and started to give context when it comes to, you know, after shows and reunions. Mm-hmm. But at this time, there was really no such thing. And so I kind of wish that there was something in place at this time because they're really... There's so much that remains unknown in terms of, like, what transpired. Because we, we hear a lot of... I hear whispers when I go to the salon, I'm told this, I'm told that, like, everyone's asking me, everyone's telling me, and it's like, but what? What are they saying? What is happening? Like, what are the rumors? The show doesn't give any context to it. No. Um, but yeah, I, there really isn't a whole lot much about the talk that I want to go to. I, I really, and this is what we've been waiting for, for I think a month. Oh, one more thing to add about that talk, I just have to say how she brought her friend Danny which we'll talk a little bit more about in a little oh, bit but she brought call. him to sit in the parking lot along with his like other gangster monster yeah, friend because she thinks that something's going to happen here i mean the level of paranoia that Danielle feels and you have to say narcissism to because to think that you're that important that a woman who is a mother and a wife is willing to to hurt you, to assault you on TV in front of people at a restaurant and put her life then at risk. Like, you really think you're that important that she's going to go to those lengths and fuck up her own life for you? I 100% agree with you. She's, she's, she's a schizo. It's just like she has no grounding in reality. I think she has such an elevated, grandiose sense of important importance that... She reminds me of, like, somebody I know in real life who is one of the most, like, braggadocious people I've ever met. 
who just loves to talk about... Is it the one that you told me about before? Yes, who loves to talk about her achievements. Um, And it's like... Which are not numerous, by the way. Yep. Or that novel or unique. Agreed. And... um, but, 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 like, we all know those people in, like... In our lives, in our personal lives, yeah. who just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about themselves. And it's like, do you have no concept of the fact that people around you are achieving things also? Or like, read the room, man. Nobody wants to hear about that stuff. Right. No. Nobody is that interested or impressed. Mm-hmm. We're all just sick of it. We're all just wanting you to shut up, basically. Yeah. So I just, I thought it was shocking, but knowing her, not shocking, I guess I should actually say. About Danielle? That she brought henchmen to protect her because she thinks that she is this, uh, I swear to God, she thinks she's like, she thinks of herself as like someone like the Pope. She thinks she's so holy and does nothing wrong, but that she has all these enemies that are like out to get her for their own vengeance and fame. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. she needs security. Like. Who, who are you? Yeah, you're not the queen. <laughs> yeah. No bueno. Anyways, um, any more, any, anything more about the, the talk? No, not on that one. Okay. Do we want to go to the big kahuna? I think it might kahuna? be time. I think it might be time, too. Yeah. Do you want to set the stage? Yes. So, um, Danielle uh, knows a couple. I'm not quite sure what the relation is. Mm. Um, but anyway, she knows them, and... I mean, tragically, they happen to have a child, I want to say a two-year-old, but could be younger, who has um, a really unique terminal cancer, or it's not terminal, it's a tumor, it's cancer, it is a pretty novel form of cancer, it does sound like, and um, I mean, any, any form of cancer in a child or in any human being is tragic and terrifying, Um, but when you add on that level of uniqueness, I mean, that just elevates the whole situation. And they, um, they reach out to her and they, I believe, ask if she'd be willing to be at the um, event that they were holding, the fundraiser event, to, I think, select, uh, to accept the check on behalf of the family. Um, I'm sure that they were just thinking, like, oh, she's on TV, she's pretty well known, this will look good, and maybe more people would be willing to come to the event if we could put on our poster, she's going to be there. She's going to be accepting the check. I mean, if I was a parent with a child who's ill, I'm going to pull every freaking punch I can to try to get more money to help them. Um, so <laughs> no judgment here. Um, but they happen to be hosting the fundraiser event at the Brownstone, um, which, of course, Caroline's husband and Dina's husband own and operate. Um, and Caroline's son works at. Yes. And it's quite the family affair over there. And, um, you know, we see LB talking to Chris, right? Um, and Albie. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, Albie. That's Caroline's husband's name, Albie. I thought his name was Al, like no. Albert. I'm pretty sure it's Albie. But That's okay, a I don't son. know. Well, I think he's name I think he's a junior. Oh, he might be a junior. This is how much we've watched the show in the last... It's been a long time. And by the way, Family Affair, great song. We binged it, and then we haven't been back. 
So her, yeah, her house husband's name is Albert, and I think they call him Albie. And then her children, oh, wait, no, you're right. It is Albert. And then her son is Albie, her daughter's Lauren, and her son is Christopher. Right. You're right. Yep, yep. Christopher. I love how she says Christopher. Me too. Christopher. Yes. Yeah. That great Jersey accent. Okay. Um, but anyways, um, Albert, my mistake, we see him talking to Christopher, and we see him saying, like, she's a guest, because they get word that she's going to be coming, and they are incredibly professional, mm. in my opinion, and gracious mm-hmm. about the situation. We even hear Caroline, who hates the woman, who's called her human garbage to her face, say, it's a public place. She has every right to be there. That's a quote from her. Yeah. I think that really says a lot about their character and their professionalism and their ability to separate work from personal feelings. Yeah. Um, I mean, because, yeah, again, we all have people we don't like, and um, I am very confident there are people that I would feel a sense of dread if I watched them walk into my place of business. Oh, my God. If I had to represent somebody that I hated as a client, oh, gross. Yeah, but, like, that they were able to do this. And because it is such a family affair at the Brownstone, it feels so close to them. Yeah. You know, it's not as if, like, this is some sort of, like, um multiple Taco Bell franchises they own, <laughs> you know, like this is like, yeah. uh, this is, has been in the family. This means something to them. This is where they spend their holidays likely. And that where they have like events, like their kids christenings and like what we saw Teresa's daughter's christening. And they and... built it. They built it from the ground up. And I think there was even one time where Caroline had, had talked about how, you know, Albert's, um, Albert's dad really like, gave up everything for the brownstone and they're so so albert's dad engaged in i don't know if how much illegal or any illegal shit but like there was mafia ties yeah to support the brownstone yeah which could have led to him dying yeah i mean it sounds like they really poured their blood sweat and tears into making this what it is today which is a pretty successful yeah so but um so I was really, I, I really applauded them. I was really impressed with um, their approach to it. Um, we see Albert telling Christopher, who's going to be on the receiving end of guests, because I think he was working like valet that night. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like he's kind of getting groomed to take over the business. Yeah. So he kind of has his hands in all of the um, very like customer, like front of the business kind of. Right. Um, which is a smart move, of course. And um, and so they tell him, like, look, just be polite. Keep your distance. Don't put yourself in the pos- a position where you could be in for an argument. You right, know, yeah. just, hello, that's all you need to do. And, yeah. you know, and I think those were really wise. I, I, I think it's what any of us would have advised our client, right? Right. You see someone you don't like, just walk away from them. You don't yeah, need to turn engage. around, walk away. Yeah. And I think, and I echo a lot of what Sam was saying, I think Albert was very professional. You know, she's allowed to be here. Mm -hmm. She was invited. Yep. She's a paying customer. She's welcome. This is a good cause. Well, we're not going to cause anything. She didn't pay. We did learn later she did not pay. She did not pay. She, oh God. Okay, so let's just kick this thing off. So this is, I (laughs) just, there is so much to unpack in this episode. I'm so sorry. 
I hope you guys really like listening to us because there is this could just go on and on. Um, so this is where we get introduced to Kim Chi. She is the mother of is his name John or Stephen? I don't remember. <laughs> Anyways, he's Christopher's best friend from it sounds like childhood. Yeah, I mean, best buds growing up. Right. Um, it sounds like Caroline and her have never been terribly close. They've always maintained a really polite parental relationship and i think that was by choice yeah but not um the ones where it's like our kids become best friends and then we become best friends yeah like i know my mom never became best friends but i know one of my best childhood friends growing up my mom would every once in a while meet up with her mom for lunch during the work week that's cute yeah and they'd get lunch together and catch up and that's a white people thing. Asian people don't do that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's the way. They both work downtown, and they would meet for lunch. And no. It maybe happened, like, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, five times a year. It wasn't a frequent thing, but that's still cute. No. Yeah. <laughs> I remember one time I tried to get my mom together with, because um, we, there was, like, a foursome. Like, we were there was four of us in high school and we thought it would be a good idea to get all of our moms together for a lunch um for mother's day and my mom was like why do i need to do that like that's no i'm not doing that i kind of feel like my mom would do the same thing she probably wouldn't be into it because she'd be like are you serious like on mother's day my day i have to go and make (laughs) nice with other people my mom so my mom did it because she was like i do not want to socialize with no yeah I don't think my mom would have liked that very much either but I think she was I don't like I think my mom doesn't like when I make plans for her but I think the fact that she was able to decide that she got along with this person's parent and make plans on her own yeah that was okay my my mom just likes having her own life separate from her children bad bitch yeah she's i mean for real though anyways back to danielle Mm -hmm. so um where did we leave off okay so we meet kim g um we also we also get more of an introduction to danny provenzano yes i love his name danny provenzano it's a great name so before we go into it I, I know that we said that we would get to it but i do i did do a little bit of research if i may all right about Danny Provenzano, Kim Granitel, and just the slew of um, characters that Danielle has introduced us to. So Danny Provenzano, um, he is actually the relative of a pretty big like New York City mobster. He's like the nephew of a New York City that mobster. That doesn't surprise me. No. Um, Danny Provenzano does have quite a record. Okay. Though, criminal, not civil. Um, so he was convicted of racketeering and failing to pay taxes. So he mm-hmm. went to prison for, for three years. He's the nephew of Anthony Provenzano. Sam's looking at me as if she... I, I, mean, I don't know. know. Okay. His, his, his nickname is Tony Pro. Okay. And he was a part of the Genoese crime family. Oh. He was actually portrayed in the movie The Irishman. Wow. Yeah, he was a high-ranking member and convicted of multiple felonies, including um, as a result of his involvement with the mob. Wow. Yeah, not. I don't think any of this is a surprise. No. Um, Danny um, tried to be a filmmaker and an actor. 
Until in 2019 when he was charged with attacking and robbing a woman in Manhattan. Wow. I got to say, I don't think it was that that uh, ruined his acting career, but... You don't think so? Well... He did did get in a fight with um, one of the actors from The Sopranos. Weird. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Anyways, I think I told you about this before, but we get introduced to Kim G and Kim D. Kim D is the owner of Posh. Yes. They used to be sister-in-laws. Right. Yes, I remember you you saying that. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Kim G divorced from her husband in 2011 also and then dated Michael Lohan. So bizarre. Random, right? And this is Kim G who dated Michael Lohan? Oh, yeah, Kim G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's all I have. So weird. So these are the cast of characters that Danielle has introduced us to. Actually, <laughs> she would introduce us to these. I just really love Danny Provenzano's name. I think he's a dick, but also I love his I, name. I'm just saying, like, he does not have, like, the build or the beauty to be a Hollywood leading man. You know, he looks short. Yeah, but if you look at like I just watched Goodfellas last night, and there's a bunch of people that were short. Yeah. Okay, but like those people had talent. Wow. Okay. I gotta say, I don't know. Like, I mean, granted, we've never seen him act, but like the tough guy act he puts on. It's like a little cheesy. Do I think that he's gonna throw down and like not give a fuck? Sure, maybe, sure, yeah. yeah. But like, it is so, it, it it feels like he's ripping the pages of like a cheesy um, mafia movie where like most Italian Americans who watch it are completely offended. Like he <laughs> seems like he is giving us, he is serving cliche, cliche, cliche. Like if Jersey Shore, Jersey Shore was happening at this time and it was for middle-aged people, yeah, I think he would be like an original cast member. And like he, him and Danielle both say stuff like, well, when people see me with him or hear that I'm with him, nobody will mess with me. Okay, that is also assuming a lot about his reputation that he thinks he has. And maybe in that neck of the woods he does, but like you saw my blank face as you mentioned his uncle. I'm like, yeah. I don't know who the fuck that is. Like <laughs> that means nothing to me. Like if you were to, if I was there and I, this is, you know, I didn't know the show and somebody's like, oh, Daniel Bazanano, blah, 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 I can't say his name, is here, <laughs> I would be like, okay, like. <laughs> He's Italian. Like, does he sounds like it? Okay. Do, are we gonna have pasta tonight? Like, I what? Mean, what are you where, telling me? Like, like, where is the sleeves? He's always wearing cut-off shirts, which is probably my biggest pet peeve. I think that is just adding to the cheese factor for oh, me. Oh, for sure. Um, and also the the tattoo of a cross. I mean, come on. Yeah, and the fact that he okay, they're like Jay and Silent Bob. The fact that he has a friend who's much bigger and scarier looking than him, but that sits there silently, and, and that he's nods. the talker. Yeah, I'm like, this is just with amazing. a leather jacket. Yeah, like the leather jacket that you would envision, you know, somebody wearing from like The Godfather. Yeah, it literally it is so many cliches, and like I do think of like Jay and Silent Bob. Like, I'm the talker. 
I'm the muscle. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like Danny thinks he's also the muscle, but in reality, right, like, he's not. No. Because he like he he just has like a small stature. When I look I at him, that's what I small see. Penis. Well, we don't know. Probably. But also, I just want to say this because it popped into my mind. He didn't go to prison for like for a violent crime. No, he went to prison for not paying his taxes, which we've seen. Many celebrities and... I mean, Martha Stewart went for insider training. I think that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Martha Stewart seems like... Martha Stewart, honestly, I would be more fearful of because she's the type of lady who's like, you don't see it coming. Like, Danny, like, you could just, like, dip out and run away from him. Yeah. Martha Stewart, she's going to send somebody in the middle of the night. You ain't going to see that shit coming. I feel like I would be more... I would be definitely more scared of Martha Stewart because she she's smart. She is so smart. And she doesn't, she's the type who's, like, if she was a crime boss, if she was, Probably. I'm not saying she is. I mean. But, like, if she was, she's the crime boss that has people do her bidding. Yeah, absolutely. She doesn't get her hands dirty. And that is what a wise crime boss does. No. Because you can run away from the one who does yeah. it himself. She's, she's, the, she's the head of the Gotti family. Yes. Yeah. She's not Victoria Gotti. She's the head of... She's John Gotti. Yeah, she's the one there and sits there and says, get it done. Do it. She doesn't even have to say it. She just has to look She probably it. does. She probably just like blinks and like pulls a cigarette out of her box. <laughs> right. And pets like, a cat. Oh, shit. We know what that means. Right, right. She We're pets, putting a horse in someone's India. bed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... I know that we keep going on tangents. We're sorry, folks. But um, so are we at the point where they go to the yes. brownstone? Okay. okay. So they go to the brownstone and um, they arrive and we see. Um, Do you want to talk about Kim G's conversation with Danny Provenzano? And she's like, oh, shit. You go. Yeah, you, you take that one. So um, before they go to the brownstone, Kim G picks up. Um, Danielle or goes to Danielle's house in her Bentley with her driver which I think was a very nice friend thing to do mm-hmm. and they meet Danny Provenzano who meets them there because apparently Danny is going to be the muscle that they need to take out the Manzos before they go to the Brownstone just yeah because she thinks at a fundraiser for a child with cancer a baby with cancer the Manzos are somehow going to try to physically attack her with thousands of people there for a child cancer fundraiser. I mean, sh- there's no logic that has gone into this thinking. And they're on TV. It's not like the Manzos can take her out before they go there. It's, she, there's cameras. She lives her life, her and Danny, in a cheesy mafia film where she's some sort of like m- head honcho mafia's like girlfriend or wife. And she thinks like <laughs> she's like, oh, they're after me. They're after me because of my connections and what I right. know and what I've done. Yeah. But it's like, no, nobody cares. They weren't going to do anything to you, Miss Danielle. So they so they are on Danielle's patio furniture in her kitchen. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and Danny and, and Kim, you know, Danny's talking about how he can have alcohol in two weeks or whatever. And Kim G's like, why? Why are two weeks? Well, that's when I get off parole. And I just remember that, that distinctly, even till now without watching it, because she was like, oh, shit what where am i right now right there is the moment that you can see run across her mind thinking like who am i hanging out with right now (laughs) yeah and i'm sorry but you are i i know that 
you are who you hang out with. Yes, and I. Some of you may disagree with me, but and that's not to say that you have to hang out with the creme de la creme or with wealthy people. Absolutely not. And there are plenty of people with criminal records who I have hung out with and who are my close friends. But I wouldn't necessarily hang out with this low life. Right. I think that there is a difference between somebody who's made bad decisions and learned from it. Who's who's learned from it, who's a good person, who's making every best intention to move forward leading a, a good, useful, productive life, versus an individual who's not learned from their past mistakes, who's plenty willing to continue making the mistakes and who makes no apologies of what they've done. Right, and that's this guy. So I'm sorry, Sam, for interrupting you, but no, now, no. now we're at the brownstone, and I'll let you take it away. Well, so I think we first see, don't we see um, Danielle go and shake Chris's hand, and she says something to the effect of, like, psychological fuck you, like it felt good. And right, yes. Like, what? That is, again, only on your end. He's doing his job. His job is to greet Guess. And and Chris is like, what, 19 or 20 at this time? He this doesn't is, give a shit. No, also, this is really not his battle. No. Like. And I think I said this before, and, I'll, and I think it's worth reiterating. There are some people that you just shouldn't, you shouldn't fight with. And that's the kids. Your battle is with the adults and yeah. with probably Caroline for calling you garbage. It's yeah. not with Chris. Chris hasn't done anything to you. No. And and that's the thing. He was, he's, they've, I don't know if they've even really ever interacted beyond that big blowout fight we saw in the first season where the, Teresa flips the table and they, the whole family happens to be there. I don't think words were said between the Manzo children and Danielle at any point, maybe ever. No. They've um, just been in physical proximity. No. And I think in her interview, Danielle said something to the effect of, like he want she wanted uh, the psychological to fu- fuck you at Chris and the Manzo family because now she's going into their home mm-hmm. you know so to speak and the way that she described it I believe in the interview was that she wanted to fuck with them that she was going to the brownstone that this place meant a lot to them and she wanted to hurt them in some way by just being present there yeah it's a very bizarre justification for her I I mean there's no there's really hardly any mention of like I'm so excited to go be a part of a good cause like this little child is so brave you just hear you know you just hear her talking about her goals her her revenge plot I mean it's just so freaking weird but um so then so we see that handshake go and then um and then we see um, Chris, he he moves on because there's other cars coming. There's other guests coming. He's not running away. He's doing his job. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, start, starts to turn to, to greet other guests. And then, um, you know, we see Kim Ji say, like, Christopher, Chris, you know, because, of course, she's known him his whole life. And yeah. they have a lovely, like, I think, greeting. I don't think there's anything strange about it. Um, he says, you look very nice. And she's like, oh, thank you. And he said, um, you're in for a bit of a surprise. And she goes, oh, am I? And he goes, yeah, you're a bit overdressed. So, you know, there, there's nothing 
There's nothing to be read into. No. I, I think it's pretty clear from the context of the words he chose, being that he was talking about her outfit so much, that he's implying, again, you're overdressed. That's the surprise. I mean, he outright pretty much tells her what it is. Because then we see him go on later in a subsequent interview saying how um, the event was put on in partnership with a hunting club. And so, like, the big win of the night is, a, like, a gun that they're raffling off. Yeah. Everyone, as we cut to inside the brownstone, is in, like, sweatshirts, jeans, T-shirts. I mean, camo. There's no... And then you've got these women who are wearing, you know, heels, six-inch heels. They've got their um, fur on. Right. It just, you know. And I, and I think if... And I'm sorry, Danielle, if you really had such a miscommunication with Chris, why didn't you just go downstairs and talk to him? Right. Okay. And so we we see that interaction happen and it's just independently between solely between Chris and Kim. Then Kim goes and she tells uh, Danielle as they're walking inside the brownstone like, oh, he told me that I'm in for a surprise. I'm in for a surprise. So implying that... Kim herself is in for a surprise, not Danielle. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe if we just play 15 seconds of this clip, we can't get in trouble. Pretty sure that's how the law is. We'll double check that later. Uh, um, we have no copyright to this. No copyright. No copyright. I, uh, NBC Studios. Interesting. A big surprise inside waiting for me. And he was very sadistic when he said, Oh, it's a big surprise. You'll see. Right then and there, you knew whose son that was. Yeah. So I just found it, like, absolutely hilarious that she says this because she was not there in the interaction. So there's no way of her knowing how he said it or what exactly he said. There's no way to say that he said anything sadistic. And the part that, again, I mentioned already is she somehow takes what was meant for Kim and twists it to how he's warning Kim, there's a surprise for Danielle. You narcissist. Everything's about her. Um, He's 19. Can I just say this? Yeah. He's young. He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know what... I mean, I'm sure he probably knows what's going on between you and Caroline. But how much you want to bet Caroline has shielded him from a lot of what was going on between the ladies because that just seems like the kind of mother she is. Also, let's say hypothetically that something was in store for Danielle. Let's just even... Let's play into that. And that the Manzos were planning some sort of revenge. If the Manzos... We're planning some sort of revenge against Danielle. Don't you think they would have instructed Chris not to give away the, the fact that something was coming? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just like just so stupid. Um, don't you think they would have been a little bit more sinister than that? Like, um, I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to do to you before it's even been done. Right. Like, before you even walk into the brownstone, I'm going to tell you there's a surprise coming, so you might leave and we won't be able to live <laughs> out our evil plan. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. Use your common sense. But this goes back to what I was saying before. If you have such an issue 
with or a miscommunication why didn't you just go to chris he's right there why yeah. didn't you just be like hey man what did you mean by a surprise yeah and he would have said i just meant that you're overdressed and it's sponsored by a hunting group and then so we see them walk in and it's pretty clear that this is a low key event yeah, there's the a lot of people, though. A lot, of, lot, a lot of people. But I mean low-key in the sense that, like, this is not a sit-down affair. No, it's not. Where we listen to speeches. This is like a buffet-style, yeah, find is, whatever seats are open. It is not black tie, folks. It is not black, a black tie with white tablecloths. These people this are is like, like a going gun club. In, right. This is going into, like, you know, like a church basement after, like, This is going into like, a Cracker Barrel. Right. Right. Like... Nothing fancy about this. No. But despite that, <laughs> despite the fact that, like, the writing is on the walls as she... Literally. Like, she can look around and see images of guns on the wall and, like, glean from the fact that somebody else is wearing camel right next to her. Yo, man, this is not fucking fancy. You're raffling off a shotgun. But Know like, your audience. Instead of her walking in and being like, Oh my God, look at how many people here. This is fantastic. We're going to raise so much money for your kid. You know, we are here for you. She fucking bitches about the fact that there's not reserved seating for her and her party. She is taking this event for a child with cancer, a baby with cancer. And again, making it about herself. And I think that I got to say, I've mentioned before that like, you know, this is the season that really turned me on Danielle I was really rooting for her and thinking that yeah you were everybody was just seeing the worst in her because that's what they wanted to see and this was truly the the season and more so than anything this event that just made me just sick of her just disgusted by her behavior I um agree um so what really made me so mad is that there was what 20 people 20 guys that she brought that were very clearly hell's angels yeah that were very because i think they had it embroidered on their jackets yeah but they also just didn't look like um nice demure men they they look like they wanted to start some shit and she walks in with a group of 10 people who did not pay for a ticket yeah who did not buy a ticket to the raffle who made no donation and they expected a reserve table, they expected food, they expected wait staff, they expected drinks. What are you doing to provide the, to, you know, any any sort of support for this event? You're not. Like your presence now is hindering the success of this event because everything's about you and your group and it's costing the family money. Yeah. Because that space, it may have may not been free. I, I don't know, um, but it's costing um, the the brownstone money. Yeah, you watch the Manzos and their staff hustle to find a table uh, out of storage and set it up for them, and they don't even use it. Then they fucking refuse. Sorry, I keep swearing this episode, but it really is. I think it's irritating for any human being who who would watch this occur at a child's benefit. So the reason why they left, and I don't know if this was made clear on the show, but the reason why they left was because the table was behind the podium and not right in the middle of the dance floor or right in the middle of the reception area. So they couldn't have all eyes on them. Right. Unbelievable. Right. I, I guess I... I don't even think they stayed to when the check was being presented. No, but on their way out, they were like, this is for a child. 
Like, do you see how I'm being treated? This is for the children. And I had the same reaction that Sam had because I just thought to myself, you're not doing this for anybody but yourself. And you're just trying to make yourself the victim. Yeah. And um, it's it was very irritating. It was very disheartening. And like to watch a family that invited her with the best of intentions Mm-hmm. The thought that this was going to help them raise money in support of their child desperately in need, have like the energy sucked out of the room for this this narcissist that needs all eyes on her constantly is just it really is upsetting. Right, and the part that really upset me the most during the whole encounter was when Danny was yelling at the staff like, "What are what do you think we're here for?" And Danielle looks over and was like, oh, the boys are getting rowdy. The boys are, you know, having do do whatever you want to do, but don't harm the family. And I just thought to myself, you're clearly doing this to instigate something. You're clearly doing this because not only do you want a reaction from the Manzos, but you want to significantly harm just the business. She's a person that thrives off of drama and other people's misery because she's so miserable herself. Yeah. And it's just, it's blatant. I mean, in her actions and, and just watching her, like, she's not, it, she's not clever. She's not hiding anything. It's exactly what I said the other day about people who wear their masks with their nose sticking out. Oh, yeah. You're not clever. You're not hiding anything. We all see you're wearing your mask incorrectly and your <laughs> right. nose is sticking out. Right. Like, same with Danielle. She's not clever. She's not hiding anything. We all see right through the act. I will say, I think Kim G's behavior in that instance, I thought, was deplorable. I would have expected better. It was funny because, like, while she... I I feel like while on one hand, it was almost like she was giving in to peer pressure and was just, like, swept up in the Danielle drama, Mm -hmm. there was another part that I could see her embarrassment Oh, yeah. Like, there, it was like there was like two streams of consciousness going on within her, I felt like. I think she was trying to toe the line. The problem is, is that she, she's an older woman mm-hmm. who has a son mm-hmm. and who needs to demonstrate her values. And, and oh, yeah. what you shouldn't, you just shouldn't tolerate that kind of behavior. And you shouldn't play along with it. And I think that if your friendship with Danielle is really that strong... Or that solid, you would have the wherewithal in saying... Because I think if you acted that way, Sam, I would be like, you know what, Sam, we should just go. Yeah. I think that Danielle, though, is, again, not a person that can take criticism or a reality check. Like, for her, that's an end of a friendship. And that may be the case, but maybe you shouldn't be friends with that kind of lady. 100% agree. Um, but I wonder if Danielle... I, I Excuse me, I wonder if Kim G, again, is one of those people who loved the fact that she felt important because Danielle let her feel important. Like Danielle spent a lot of time talking about how Kim G's very well respected and Kim G lends credibility to her. And, and like, who doesn't want to hear that? Like if you're sitting down here, somebody says like, can you come with me? Because like, you're so well respected in the community. Nobody's going to do anything if you're around. People love you. People trust you. People admire you. What kind of person's going to be like, you're going to be like, oh, 
people feel that way about me? Oh, shit. (laughs) I I think that ego boost is great, but I also think that if you start acting awry and start to... Because if if somebody acted that way around Danielle and I have that kind of reputation, you're not going to put up with that kind of shit. No. You're going to you're going to be like, "Listen, I have this reputation for a reason. You need to figure your shit out or else I'm not hanging out with you." I completely agree. I think that that would have been the appropriate move, but that leads me to then uh, even go further with this and wonder, does Kimji actually have this reputation or is Danielle the only one that thinks she has it? And it's giving that kind of... And that's why, like, Kim G's willing to put up with it because it's, like, it's... They feed off each other. Like, for Kim G, she gets some sort of ego boost of, like, oh, I'm needed and I have all these things and look at what I can offer somebody. And then for Danielle, it's finally having a friend next mm. to her. Maybe, but I think that Kim G needs to, fu- needs to figure out why she feels that way. Why... why being needed in that way is so important to her yeah because that's not a healthy emotion to that's not that's not a healthy way to glean confidence well and you have to wonder if there's a similarity between the two of them oh i'm sure that's probably why they're good friends i mean yeah you you don't hang out with somebody like that for no reason well and even i mean we're led to believe that the the manzos and kim's family have known each other for probably over a decade now. Yeah. And a friendship still never developed with Caroline well before Danielle was in the picture. Right. So, you know, you have to wonder, well, what was Kim G's personality and and what vibe was she giving to the Manzos in the greater community even before Danielle arrived? She was probably really desperate. Yeah, she probably was. And I wonder if, like, this was around, like, the Michael Lohan. Oh, her yeah. star's fading and she's holding on and we're totally gonna get sued by kim g well when you go on tv like this people are allowed to to judge you to judge i mean kind of <laughs> kind of i mean it's true like i think it is true like when you're um a movie star like how they say like yeah i want to make movies i don't give people like license to follow me around scary and car chases to take pictures right. of me I think there's something to be said with that. I agree. But when you literally sign up for a reality show, it, it feels different. Yeah. I, I do want to get to the, the, the big kahona of the event where, where Danny calls Chris um, a gay slur. Yeah. Can we go there? Yeah, absolutely. You want to start it? Well, they're, kind of. yeah, they're, they're coming out of, of the event and they're all huffy and puffy. And that's when Danielle tells... Um, Danny about what Chris told Kim G and Danny you know goes to her and says oh he he said that what a gay slur I'm not gonna repeat it because I think that I'm you I shouldn't know what's what the British call cigarette yes but in America no I'm just telling people what the word is oh sure 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 um but anyways so that's what Danny calls um, Chris and he says it a number of times Danielle does not correct him Kim G does say that's my son's best friend but also does not correct him nobody really says anything to Danny about not saying that particular word even though in prior episodes Danielle took very big offense to Teresa's husband um, calling somebody a gay lord or yeah that was gay lord I right? think it was yeah 
And um, then they all leave. Yes. Yeah. And um, I again, maybe I'm, I'm again trying to just see the best in somebody. But like. Um, see I, the best in Danny? No, no, no. In Kim G. Where like it was. I think we see this a lot just like in humans in general. Um, not just limiting it to her. Where somebody's like trying to do the right thing they're trying to stand up for somebody yeah that the group collectively dislikes but like it's very frightening i think to like be the dissenting voice and so you're like towing the line of like guys that's not nice like but you're not actually saying like stop it right you know i i think that she did try and do that and when you look at the situation kim g was around like what, 10 or 15 Hells Angels that were all friends with Danny? And they were all expected to get in her car. Like, I feel like she's really in an awkward Yeah, position. like, she wasn't She wasn't going to be like, oh, that's offensive. I mean, she's an older lady by herself. I mean, they could have all overpowered her and beat her up. I'm sure it had to have been such an uncomfortable because she's like, hey, that's my, friend's, my yeah. son's best friend. You know, knock it off. And then that feeling of, like, who the hell am I hanging out with? Like, who are these people? Um, I do want to turn to Danielle in this instance because I feel like a lot of my ire um, for this, for just hatred is against Danielle. Hypocrite. Hypocrite. I also think that um, regardless of whether or not they're your friend, the fact that you he said those words would have been enough for me to at least like never mind the trying to start a fight never mind trying to cause a scene never mind all of that stuff never mind the fact that he looked like a hobo never mind any of that you said something really offensive against somebody who didn't deserve it that should have warranted some sort of like condemnation on her part yeah and like it, it feels like, I mean, she's really picking and choosing when she, takes she wants to be an ally. I mean, like, so I'm just trying to, I'm not defending. I'm just trying to understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm not defending. I'm wondering if she sees it, putting myself into the Danielle mind. One, this is a person she severely dislikes. We all know for no reason because her his mother she dislikes, but... To her, they're one and the same. Yeah. And then I'm wondering if also, like, if her justification is like, well, he's not actually gay, so he can't be offended by it because the other person was gay who's being called something. How and this can you guy. logically think that? Not I, you, but her, if that is her reasoning. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm just, that's my guess. Because I'm... I think that that word to me is akin to the n-word you just don't, I don't know that. that i think that it's that bad i gotta be honest but um, i'm not gay yeah. but like um but um i guess i don't know that i see it that same way only because the historic context of the n-word uh-huh and my at least knowledge of the historic context of the n-word which has been centuries oh. versus the short span I know of the F word and I guess maybe my two years living in England right have seen that word in a very different context so the way the reason why I see it that way is because 
even though you know gay people didn't go through slavery um <laughs> i i i don't know why my hand is cramping i really want to crack my wrist that's what i've been trying to do all episode <laughs> it won't go my my it doesn't matter anyways the the short time that that gay people well I don't even know that because I feel like gay people have existed since time and memorial, but like they've never been out or public or whatever. And so I just, I, there isn't that same history per se, but I would characterize it as offensive as the N-word because, you know, with the AIDS epidemic, just the years and years of just strife for gay people, like... I think that it's equally abhorrent. That's the way mm-hmm. that I look at it. We can agree to disagree, but... I, I don't think it's a good word, and I would never call somebody that. I think my relationship to the knowledge and the history are different. If that, yeah. If that... Sure. But I think that we both agree that it's it's a very offensive word yeah. that should not be used in normal conversation, and that using that word is inexcusable. Right. And I think, again, I just want to say, I think my my personal relationship to it is different in the same way in my personal relationship to the C word. Because, like, I have some gay friends in the UK who are smokers, and so they'll they'll use that word. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go out and smoke a, you know. And so I just never saw it, like, as, like, because, <gasps> like, I have so many people around me right. who identified as queer, gay, whatever, who were using this, in regular conversation and so I just thought like okay Uh, I don't know it it, it never I never I guess really like gave it more thought in the same way that I know over here if you say the c word people are like (gasps) but like Tuesday word yeah oh I love I love that word too but like my mom is like I said it once around her and she got so mad at me she's like don't even say that word around me and I didn't say it in regards to her. I said it in regards to Ann Coulter. <laughs> I said it in regards to Ann Coulter, and I don't take it back. But, <laughs> That's a good description of Ann Coulter. But, but um, I think that like my friends in England had the relationship with the C word that women in America have with the B word, where we're like, okay, bitches, let's go, let's get ready. Like, oh my god, I love you, bitch. Yeah. Like they'll say that like about the C word. So I because I think that you're kind of. You're familiar, like, I take it the same way that I I think about Indian. The word Indian, where I come from, is almost similar to that of the F word and to the N word. Mm. Here in the United States, it's used to describe a group of people. Yeah. Um, where I come from, that is absolutely not allowed. Like, not allowed. We were taught from a very young age that you cannot call somebody an Indian. Otherwise, it's offensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unless they're East Indian. Oh, well, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and here I just wrote a paper in which I use the word Indian frequently. Right, right. <laughs> Indian Child Welfare Act. I like, mean, it, it really come, It really depends on where you come from, so I think, oh, Jesus Christ. So there's that, um, but uh, I, in this context, it was very offensive. I think that he didn't use it in a way to educate people. He used it disparagingly well i think that it was in i think it was very wrong and i think what again for me really bothered me was the hypocrisy of it all because like of it's Danielle? yes because like you know I, I like i said if she thinks like well it's not that offensive because he's not actually gay like it's like saying the n-word to a white person you know which 
again, I don't think you should ever use that word in any context, but this is my comparison in her brain. It doesn't really matter because if she considers herself an ally with the gay community and she is aware that terminology like that can hurt, I think that it's the same way that if when I hear any of my friends say the R word, um, what's the R word? Retarded. Oh, okay. I tell them not to say it. I tell them don't say it. Don't say that word around me. That's not okay. That word hurts a lot of people. And when you use that word to mean bad, it hurts people. Yeah. And like, I think it's like what you were just saying. It's the same thing for the F word. It's same thing for the N word. It doesn't really matter what context or who you're saying it to. The word can't really be used because it has such a negative meaning associated with it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I would never say it to somebody. But my comparison of the words, as we mentioned, just feels in my life experience different. It's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I think, I just think Kimiel is really problematic, just in general. I mean, she doesn't redeem herself in the next episode, which is whether she gets in the fight with Ashley. No, which I'm excited to discuss in our next podcast. Yeah, um, we, should, we should keep that for, for, for next time. I think so. I think that there's so much in this episode with the Brownstone fight. You, it, it, It's just an episode all into itself. I really do think that. And... Danielle, if you ever do listen to this, I'm saying, girl, you gotta go to some therapy or something. I, if she ever was to listen to this, I think my, my, what I would tell her is I was rooting for you and I feel like Tyra Banks, we were all rooting for you. I never watched America. Oh my God, it was so good. Um, but like you really let me down because you never really like practiced empathy no. You never thought about anybody beyond yourself. And I kind of feel like, I want to say something really, really controversial. I do think she loves her kids a lot. And I don't think she's necessarily a bad mom. But I think that we've seen her put herself ahead of her kids more times than I'm comfortable with. With that being said, Danielle, um, I don't disagree with Sam. Sorry. But you <laughs> but you managed to have what seemed to be really great kids. So yeah, kudos really, on you. They're really great, but um but girl, we gotta we gotta work on some stuff. You know, and we say this, um, I think truly based on our observations, we don't know what's going on in the real like in what private yeah. behind closed doors. Yeah, and we're just saying this based on our observation and, and we're going through the lens of our own personal life and, and what we've seen in the world. But with that being said, guys, you know, I mean, this is just our take. And if you want to um, kind of correct us or give us some positive feedback, we are on Twitter. Tweet, tweet. Um, my underscore housewives at, um, is it an at? No, it's at my underscores housewives. I'm still getting used to the Twitter. This is way too much technology for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know. We are, we're waiting for our friends to come over and... All 12 of you. Yeah. Tweet at us. Um, again, it's at my underscore housewives. Yep. We are going to try and finish up, I think, this season of The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Um, and then um, we... We're, let's try and finish The Real Housewives of New Jersey before we pivot to another Real Housewives. If you want us to do a particular franchise afterwards, Beverly Hills, Potomac, Atlanta, New York, 
I mean, it's the gamut. And can I just, I think this is a great way to finish it off. 2020 has been what everyone in the, on the planet would agree has been a hot mess. We could not have picked a better, better franchise <laughs> to mirror the hot messness that is 2020 and Housewives of New Jersey. 2020 was that bad. Well, for the greater population. Okay, for like the public, you know. I thought 2020 was fabulous. Well, you know, personally, I thought there was some really good things, some pretty bad things. It's been a mixture, mixture of a year for me. But it was very sad to watch, you know, last year's classes and friends not get a graduation that they deserved, and some just and high school family members not get to walk across the just a lot of, and then deaths and yeah you're right there was a lot that happened this year i have short-term memory loss because um i choose not to remember what happened more than 24 hours ago <laughs> it's a good way to live yeah my therapist thinks so yeah <laughs> all right guys well um stay tuned we post uh new episodes every two weeks every two weeks whoop, whoop. all right well Bye. Bye. Bye.